Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom, I am Dr. Ann Davis with Bible Interact. I have been talking in past sessions about who will be saved, and I have suggested a number of things. First of all, I don't like the term saved. It's it's caught up with all kinds of theological trappings. I replace it with who belongs to God. And then I started to explain that there are two aspects of salvation. The first, is saved from death to life, which is a promise of something future. If you are saved from death to life, you belong to God. Let's call it belonging to God, not being saved. You belong to God. At some time in the future, you're going to be able to stand before your Father in righteousness. Right now, you can stand before Him in righteousness from time to time when you are in complete harmony with Him through your Lord Yeshua. But at some future time, it's a promise of being able to be in God's presence for all eternity in a righteous condition. That's really what it is. It's the the promise of, of being rescued or saved or rescued or delivered from death to life. Now, all the children of Israel have that promise. They received it at the time of the Passover in Egypt when God called all the children of Israel his firstborn son, and he declared that he was their father. The question and the dilemma that that we were addressing was those who are Gentile believers in Christ and therefore have been added to God's family by their faith in Christ. And the dilemma is this question, who will be saved? And there are three possible um, answers, which I took up in the last session. Um, One is saved by grace alone. Two is it must be sincere faith, sincere believing, which, which produces visible fruit. And the third is that you must make Jesus Lord in your life. That's called Lordship Salvation. Now, what I'm going to do in this session is I'm going to take a passage, and I'm going to show you the two aspects of salvation in that passage. It's important to understand the two aspects because I, I believe that the church has focused so much on this salvation from death to life and belonging to God that they have missed this second aspect, and that's really what we should be doing. We should be so um, so fully convinced that we belong to God that we can focus on the second aspect of salvation, which is your daily walk. Because when you are walking in the ways of the world, you are dying. When you are walking in the ways of God, you are bringing true life to you and to those around you. True true life, the, the life in God. And a life with God is a life of peace and harmony. It's a life of joy. It, it's a life of, of, of everything is, is light and positive and there's no negative. It's, a, it's an incredible life. And, and, and God wants all of us to have that life. But we've been so focused on the first aspect of salvation that we haven't gotten to the second aspect of salvation and put it really into our lives in a major way. So what I'm going to do now is I'm simply going to prove to you from Scripture that there are two aspects of salvation, that the first aspect of salvation from death to life is the one that brings you into God's family. 
The second aspect of salvation is the one that allows you to walk in a way that brings God into your life today in a way that makes you truly alive. So, this passage you're all going to recognize. It's in Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, this is used by Lordship Salvation to, to say that you ha there are two requirements. Number one, you have to believe in your heart. Number two, you have to make Jesus Lord. So those are the two requirements. What I'm going to show you is that this is a chiastic construction now, I will explain to you very briefly what chiasm is. You may already know, but I'll go through it again. Chiasm is based on parallel lines, so we're going to practice a little bit with parallel lines because you can't just say they're parallel. You have to understand how there's a relationship between the parallel lines. And there will not only be a relationship between the parallel lines, like line A, line B, uh, line A and A, and then line B and B, but there will also be a relationship between the parallel lines and the chiastic center. This is Paul talking in this in this passage, and Paul is he's incredible. And I think there was one article I was reading recently where the author said, "Them words are hard to understand." He was talking about Paul. And he was doing it in a kind of a you know colloquial way to convey that Paul is very difficult to understand, and partly because he's he's so deeply Hebraic, his language is so artistic that it we we haven't you know we've lost the ability to see the artistry, and and you're going to have to see the artistry in this passage to be able to understand it. And then uh, what I'm going to start with first is I'm and. I'll explain chiasm, and then we're going to practice with a simple chiastic structure before we go into Romans 10, 9, and 10, because that's going to become much more complex. Now, if you have a Bible, you might want to get your Bible out, but you don't need a Bible if you're driving in the car. Don't try to read your Bible. <laughs> Let's start with chiasm first. In the modern world, we read a story, and the climax is at the end. Let's say it's a mystery story, and it doesn't reveal you know the the mystery it doesn't say who done it until we get to the very end of the story so in our modern world the climax comes at the end there may be a tiny little anticlimax but essentially it builds up to a climax and the climax is at the end in the ancient world the climax was not at the end the climax was in the middle and on either side of the chiastic center were parallel lines now the most simple chiastic construction we call an ABA construction and get a picture in your mind of a pyramid B is the point of the pyramid at the top A on one side is parallel with A on the other side so we have ABA the two A lines are parallel but typically the second A line will be similar but will rise to a higher to a higher level but the main idea is going to come in the center, in the chiastic center. Now these chiastic constructions can get fairly complex. You can go, for example, to an ABCBA construction. Get a picture of your pyramid again. The C is now at the top point. The two A lines are parallel. They're at the bottom of the pyramid on the left and the right sides. And the B is coming up the left side and then parallel going down the other side parallel uh, the B lines they can get really quite complex um, but we're gonna stick with some easy ones in, in Romans 10 9 and 10 is an ABCBA construction that's what it is 
Now, let's work for a minute with parallel lines. This is very important for you to understand because what makes them parallel is that they're not synonymous, they're not the same. They can be synonymous, they can be the same, but very often they're not. What makes them parallel is that there is a relationship between them. And keep that word relationship centered right in your mind. There is a relationship between them, so we're going to have to see the relationship. Let's start. I'm going to have a little example here from Psalm 6, verses 1 and 2. And in verse 1, we're going to get two parallel lines that are synonymous, because that's an easy way to start. We're going to see them as parallel because they're synonyms. So we get, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your wrath. Rebuke and chasten are parallel. They mean essentially the same thing. Rebuke is to say you're doing something wrong. Chasten is to, to correct you. And then it says, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your wrath. Well, anger and wrath are essentially the same things. And Hebrew has words that have have the similar meaning, and they can play with these words. They play with them in parallel lines, and they play with them in many other ways. But then, in verse 2, we're going to get two parallel lines that are not synonymous. There is a relationship between them, and I want you to... to first, I'll read it, and, and then I'll explain the relationship. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am pining away. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are dismayed. Okay, we have be gracious, heal me. Those are not synonyms. God's grace is not a synonym with healing. It's a, it's a cause and effect. If God bestows grace on us, we can be healed. And, and if we look at it the other way, we can only be healed by God's grace. You know, there's medicine that can heal us, but I think if God's grace is not involved, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> I'm not quite sure that the healing works. But and and certainly, I, do, I I don't rule out modern medicine. I I I don't take medicine unless I absolutely have to. That's always been my position. But your your position can be anything you want. The point I want to make is that there's nothing wrong with modern medicine, but certainly God's grace can heal you. So the relationship, be gracious, O Lord, heal me, O Lord. The relationship is cause and effect. God can bestow his grace upon you, and the result will be healing. And then it goes on, for I am pining away, my bones are dismayed. Uh, this is perhaps more synonymous, because if, you know, if you're pining away, you're, you're your body, you're physically, you know, you're you're sick, and physically, you're you're just kind of wasting away. My bones are dismayed. The word dismayed means to be um, to tremble from fear. So, well, there is a cause and and effect relationship because if you are trembling with fear, your body is going to pine away. So there's it is a cause and effect. So what we're looking here for is the relationship. And whenever you see parallel lines, you have got to stop and ask what is the relationship because in very few cases they're going to be synonymous. Most of the time there's going to be a relationship that leads to a deeper meaning. Now, I want to take a simple key construction which you're going to recognize 
before we go into Romans 10, 9, and 10. And that's the parable of the prodigal son, because I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. That's in verse 19. And in verse uh, Luke 15, verse 21, we read, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in your sight I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So we're hearing the repetition, and yet there's a relationship between them. In the first one, make me as one of your hired men. In other words, he sees himself as unworthy. In the second one, he says, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He's repenting, and yet he still sees himself as unworthy, but he's repented, he, and, and seeing himself as unworthy is, is the humility before God. It's a different kind of seeing, seeing yourself. The first kind, you see yourself the way your world sees you. You know, he's been eating the food of pigs. You know, and the second one, he has repented, and he humbles himself before God. Those are the two A lines. Now, this is an A, B, B, A construction. So the two B lines in the middle are, in fact, the chiastic center. And so the first B line, he got up and came to his father. Now, that's a bad translation. All translations haven't really gotten it. If you know Greek, it's anistemi. So istemi means to stand. Anistemi emphasizes standing up. When you stand for God, you're standing in righteousness. You're standing for God. And stand up is even more of an emphasis. Standing up for God. Standing upright for God. So the son stood. He stood up. And that's that imagery of standing for God. And came to his father. And then... And then we get the other beeline. Now, the father is going to respond, not because his son is coming back, and so he loves his son and he wants to give him things. That's not what is happening. What is happening is that the son has returned a standing for God. He's learned his lesson. <laughs> he's learned, and, and he's now standing for God. He's repenting, and because of that, the father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And and that's the response of God to us when we repent and when we stand for God. That's the response. It has nothing to do with the fact that the Son is coming back. So that's how a chiastic construction works. Now, we're going to get into this Romans 10, 9, and 10. It's an A, B, C, B, A construction. What I'm going to do is I'm going to start with the, this, the uh, chiastic center. I mean, that's the heart. You want to start with the heart. The heart says you will be saved. But remember, there are two aspects of salvation. And I suggest that the chiastic center is catching the two aspects of salvation. The first aspect is that you're rescued from death to life, which is a promise of something future, that you're going to be with God at some time, standing before him in righteousness for eternity, for all time. It's a promise of something future. The second aspect is once you belong to God, he says, okay, let me show you how to walk in such a way that you can be truly alive. So that's your daily walk, and that's the second aspect of, of salvation, which is being alive now. It's being rescued or delivered from the ways of the world so that you can walk in God's ways. That's what it is. So when we get the chiastic center, you will be saved. My suggestion is that that's capturing both aspects of salvation. And I'll tell you why. Because down in the bottom A line, you get, with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. That cannot be 
the salvation from death to life, that, that first aspect of salvation, it cannot be because it is in parallel with if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. So it is the second aspect of salvation that we get with the mouth he confesses resulting in being delivered from the ways of the world. And that happens when you make Jesus Lord in your life. Now, I want to, um, let's see, I, I, let me talk a little bit about this Hebraic sense of time because that explains these two aspects of salvation. Hebrew, well, let me start English. English has many aspects of time. I will go to the store. I am going to the store. I go to the store. I might go to the store. I have gone to the store. I might have gone to the store. I should go to the store. We have all these aspects of time in a verb. Hebrew, you only have two. It's either complete or it is incomplete. That's all. And God is in time. He created time. He's in time. So he can be in all aspects of time. So you can see something in the beginning at the time of creation that is, is given in a complete sense of time and yet it hasn't happened yet. You can have something that hasn't happened yet but you can bring it into your life now. Because God is in time and he's in all aspects of time. Now let me give you an example. We read in the creation account by the seventh day, God completed his work which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Well, guess what, folks? I'm not complete yet. His creation in me is not complete, and yet in the beginning, everything was complete. You know, I explain this sometimes as if God says it's done, consider it done. You can live in it as being done. And that's the way we should be living with our belonging to God. If God says you belong to him, you live in it. You plant your feet in it and you walk forth in it. You know that you know that you know that you know that you belong to God. Now you can concentrate on the second aspect of salvation, which is your daily walk. Let me give you another example of the way God can express something in the completed sense of time when it hasn't happened yet or it's in the process of happening now. We read in Genesis 1.27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. <laughs> it's repeated for emphasis. Well, what is the image of God? The image of God is righteous, no sin, pure, all light, complete peace. This is the image of God, and he created you in his image. What it means is that you have righteousness in you. And... You may not be walking in it, but you have righteousness in you. When you first belong to God, he, 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 puts that, he, he takes that righteousness and allows it to be activated. And you can activate it, well, Israel could activate it by walking the ways of the law. Those of us with faith in Christ can activate it because we have the gift of the Holy Spirit in us which has written the law on our hearts so that all we need is the faith and love of Christ and we can walk forward and obey all the laws. So, with a Hebraic sense of time, you, you have been saved. It's in the past. You have been saved. But it will not be complete until the future. You will be saved. <laughs> You have been saved, so you are righteous. God sees you as righteous. You will be saved. You, you will be righteous to be able to stand in his presence. And now you are in the process of being saved. That's the Hebraic sense of time. So we see that 
in in the in the two aspects of salvation and 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 you can connect it with righteousness you know in the past you were righteous you will be righteous in the future you are in the process of being becoming righteous now that's the hebraic sense of time and that helps us understand these two aspects of salvation all right because the first aspect from life to death has been accomplished will be accomplished in the future and you are living in it now when you live in it now it's the second aspect of salvation you are living in it so you are walking in the righteousness and the wholeness that god has made available to you all right let's take our construction now you will be saved is in the chiastic center it takes the it 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 is both aspects of salvation closest to the chiastic center closest to the heart is the first most important thing you believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead and guess what with your heart a person believes resulting in righteousness the minute you believe you have god sees you as righteous he sees you as righteous you may not be walking in it but he sees you as righteous and to the extent that you begin to see yourself as god sees you you're going to walk in righteousness too but that's closest to the chaotic center and that's what i call the first aspect of salvation you don't need both to belong to god you just because the first aspect of salvation you belong to god you have the promise of life you belong to god but now he says let let's walk together in this journey <laughs> so we move out to the a lines and it's if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord so this is the second aspect of salvation confessing jesus is lord allows you to walk in righteousness to walk in what god has already created in you and it in it the the second a line with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation and that salvation is the second aspect of salvation it's to be made whole it's it's to be rescued from the ways of the world it's to um to be you know pulled out of all the pain and the suffering that the world delivers to us when we walk in ways of sin now satan is very is a master of deceit so you know when you have all these luxuries in your life you think you're happy but that's not true happiness true happiness is joy someone once told me that's an inside job joy is an inside job and i and i think that's a very very good way of looking at it because if you are filled with joy it's filled inside you and it just radiates out it radiates out into your whole life and people can see it they can catch it it's almost as if they can see the light that's shining from inside of you that's true joy that's not happiness it's true joy so happiness is what the world wants us to get but uh true joy is what is what god is after so i think in this romans 10:9 and 10 if you understand the concept of chiasm it's an a b c b a construction you can go to your bible and you can put the first a line if you confess with your mouth jesus is lord and then i like to indent the b line so to it you can help it so that the pyramid is turned on its side and the c point is is on the right side so you indent and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead that's the b line and then you indent again you will be saved now you're moving back to the left and you have the b line 
the second beeline for with the heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and then you move it back out to the left again so that the two A lines are parallel with the mouth he confesses confesses Jesus as Lord resulting in salvation and that's the second aspect of salvation which is to walk in the righteousness that God has already accomplished in us so if you want I, I suggest that you practice this that you go to your own Bibles and you go to Romans 10, 9, and 10, and you create your own chiastic structure, A, B, C, B, A, and you do it by indenting. So the A line is on the left margin, and then the B line will come a little bit to the right, the C line to the right of that, and then you move back to the left again, the B line and the A line. And you work on looking at the relationships. You want to look at the relationships between the parallel lines. Uh, you want to look at the relationship between um, let's see, it was uh, believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and for the heart it results in righteousness, so that it's a cause and effect. You believe in your heart that God raised Yeshua from the dead, and guess what, folks? God puts righteousness in you and the ability to walk in righteousness. That's what he does. That's the result. And then you look at the relationship of the two A1s, and it's a result again. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, the result is going to be daily rescue from bondage, the salvation that's the second aspect of salvation. And it all points to the chiastic center. You will be saved. And there are two aspects of salvation. You don't need both of them to belong to God. You need that first one, faith, to belong to God. And once you belong to God, then you have the ability to walk in righteousness. I think with that, I'm going to have to say shalom, but I'll do more in the next session. Shalom.